Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Okay, crew, I know there's a gap between episodes. I was in the hospital for blurry vision. I had to have like, I have to go see a neurologist and stuff because I don't know, migraines, but I've never, I literally couldn't see. I had to shut my eyes. So to make it up to you, part two and part three, the end of this book are going to be back to back episodes. So they're either going to be a day apart or they're going to be released on the same day. I haven't decided yet. Depends on how quickly I can edit, but I'm going to do that for you guys. And then going into spooky Halloween, we're going to do either Edgar Allan Poe or maybe like a Goosebumps or something. We'll figure something out. Okay, so before we get to all that fun stuff, we got to get through Stevie. So today we're doing part two of The Box in the Woods by Maureen Johnson, chapters 9 through 18, pages 132 through 237. And I was going to go to chapter 20 because that's like two thirds, but something crazy happens at the end of chapter 18. So I thought it was a good stopping point. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. You know the drill. Here's a quick summary. Four camp counselors went to smoke in the woods in the 1970s. One of them is found the next morning deceased near the camp. The other three were found murdered in a box in the woods. Stevie, Nate, and Janelle, present day, were all asked by a podcaster, Carson, to come work at the camp this summer and help solve the case. Lots and lots of characters. Go back and listen because you won't survive without it. (laughs) Too many characters. Things to look forward to, which I just threw together in this five seconds. Two deaths, one old and one new, canoodling, and a, all caps, surprise. Okay, let's get into it so we can get this over with. (laughs) My donut waits for me. It's not a donut. It's a, it's something fancy. I don't know. Anyways, it's like a jelly-filled thingamajig. I got it from the gas station, though, so let's not get too crazy. Okay, chapter nine. This is present day. Stevie, Nate, and Janelle are all talking about possible motive for the four camp counselors. And they think about how Todd probably killed Michael. Okay, recap. Todd died in the woods, his dad's mare, and he probably hit and run Michael, who's the younger brother of someone. Hold on, I have a chart. Michael's the younger brother of... My goodness. Drum roll. Paul, who also works at the camp, who we see present day. Okay, this is already confusing. But anyways, they said it would be strange which i agree with this for it to be a revenge killing over michael to kill like three other people not just todd especially because sabrina's like goody two-shoes whatever also whoever did this came prepared to mimic the woodsman which is that serial killer so they had the red rope and they wrote surprise with paint and whatever whatever okay so nate goes to the little library treehouse that he's staying in and janelle and stevie go back to their cabin Stevie's looking at an excerpt from a book about Sabrina. She's the one they don't understand why she was out in the woods, which I already explained. Like, she obviously had a crush on... I need my thing. I don't know anyone's names because she had a crush on Eric. Whatever. We know this because we saw the backflash at the very beginning. She Okay, so they explain Sabrina as a good student, good at two-shoes, et cetera, et cetera. We know her ex-boyfriend, Sean, but they dated, like, all through high school and Brina tells us in the first chapter they break up it wasn't great but we don't have any details over it but Sean also works at the camp and I don't know obviously he's suspect but he was a good student but not as good as Sabrina general motive like whatever that's his ex-girlfriend we got it 
Watch one episode of True Crime. Okay. Side note. Sabrina's sister, Allison, was 12 when Sabrina was 18. Not sure if that matters. Just throwing it out there to be thorough. So Stevie and Janelle go to bed. So after Stevie falls asleep, they explain it like Janelle has headphones in, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So after they go to sleep, Stevie wakes up to Janelle screaming her name. And Stevie looks up and in about four feet above where she's sleeping, like above her bed on the wall, is painted the word surprise. So they're like, oh my gosh, this is like the truly devious letter projected on my thing at school. Oh my gosh, writing style. We're bringing it all back to the three books we suffer through. I'm snarky today. Okay. July 11th, 1970, 9.30 p.m. Okay, this is from Patty's perspective. So Patty is the one that owns the bakery present day. And she was the one that was on house arrest that like told the others or told the police that the others were missing. She's the one with survivor's guilt. Whatever. She's like one of our main characters. So this is the night that her boyfriend Greg died. I'm sorry. I put on here in my things to look forward to two deaths. We already knew he died. Well, this is one of them. So here we go. We get details. So they're at the football field. Like, all her friends, they just, like, meet up at the field or whatever. She says her dad's watching because, like, the parents are all nervous, but they know the kids need to, like, talk about these murders. Whatever. This is, like, a couple days after the camp counselor people died. So, they're at this football field, and all the friends are speculating, like, who could have murdered everyone? Blah, blah, blah. So, some people are saying it's a drug deal gone bad. So, they're trying to figure out who Eric's supplier was, which is reasonable, but, like, the drugs weren't taken, but also the supplier would know where they were, et cetera, et cetera, and that Eric was picking up the supply that night, just saying. So, anyways, Greg, this is Patty's boyfriend. He used to be, like, the dealer, I guess, and he also, like, knows who the supplier is, obviously, and they ask him, like, who's the supplier? Could this person be responsible for this? And he says that's not who did it like and he gets aggressive about it i'm be real mad if greg was the murderer because he's dead now stupid so anyways he gets up to leave and patty follows him and they like get in a fight and she's like calls him out for hooking up with sabrina and and cheating on her because remember like sabrina told patty your boyfriend kissed me or came on to me or whatever big who cares okay so patty says all her friends are dead and now you're like being a butt she uses other words and then greg corrects her and says our friends and i'm like woof, woof, okay then he gets on his motorbike it's a motorcycle and he leaves i just have bike in my notes that's why i was clarifying anyways she's screaming at him not to leave because he's drunk and high and he's barely a mile away when he left the road went into the trees hit a wall of rocks and died which we already knew but that's how it happens Chapter 10. Really sorry this is a short episode, but you get this part three right after this, so it'll be worth it. Anyways, chapter 10. Janelle and Stevie are investigating the paint that says surprise, and Stevie thinks someone's been reading about her Ellingham case because the truly devious letter was projected on her wall, and she's all famous, but she can't afford a car. Okay. <laughs> the cabin door was locked, and the windows are bolted shut, etc., etc., so no one could have gotten in while they were sleeping, plus they would have heard it, plus the paint dripped on the floor behind the bed and before the bed was pushed against the wall, so it had to be there before. But how does paint do that? Which, like, side note, ding! I was watching this episode of Snapped or something like this, and this girl fell down the stairs, and her wife was like, 
oh, she must have fell with the paint cans or whatever. It was ceiling paint and it starts pink and it turns white and it was still pink when they found it. So they like knew that she murdered her wife, pushed her down the stairs or whatever, and then threw paint on her to make it look like whatever. Okay, long story short, there is paint that exists that changes colors and stuff, but they're like not having it in this book. Anyways, I at this point theorized that Nicole, that's the camp leader person, did it to like try to scare Stevie and her friends because she didn't want them at the camp in the first place. So like maybe she's like, if I do this... They'll get kind of like scared and they'll leave the camp. It's not them though. So or it's not her. That would have been way better. Just so you know, that would have been a better plot. Okay, so Stevie and Janelle ask Carson if they can have cameras because of what happened. And he replies that he'll be there as soon as possible with cameras and he has something to show them. So then <laughs> it says, David calls and wastes two pages of my life. I like how time frames in my life are based on pages. Anyways. He talks to his princess and is all concerned about the writing on the wall and she might die. We wished, right? Okay, anyways. Luckily, this conversation is interrupted by Nicole on the loudspeaker saying everyone should bring their things to the dining pavilion. So when they leave, <laughs> this is so dumb. Stevie sticks a blade of grass in the door. So if someone gets in their cabin, it'll disturb the grass and they'll know. But like, couldn't someone just put a new blade of grass back in the same spot? Like, that's what I would do. Hello? okay so they get to breakfast and nicole tells nate that one of the counselors is sick and will be delayed a day or two so he's gonna have to sub in as an actual counselor and nate's like uh great because he's so social you know so anyway so nate's like gonna be in cabin 12 and the kids are nine years old and he'll be working with someone named dylan which i don't even think's on my chart probably should add him and stevie and janelle get set up in the art pavilion Chapter 11. So Carson comes with the cameras and he also found a box on his morning run with three dolls that resemble Sabrina, Todd, and Diane and written on the lid of the box surprise. So it's supposed to make it look like the box in the wood and how the bodies were found. And basically the conclusion is that someone knew about Stevie coming and they had to have put together this box before Carson made that really awkward announcement at the library room reveal. Because this would have taken planning and the doll's clothes were handmade and it has the Camp Wonderfalls logo was painted on it, etc, etc. So then Stevie and Janelle still can't figure out how the paint got in their room. They think it's there to scare them, obviously. So Stevie's saying me, like this, this was directed at me, blah, blah, blah. And then Janelle's like, it freaked me out too. It's in my room too. Like stop being so selfish. Like I helped solve this case too. They wouldn't have even found the tin in the other book if it wasn't for Janelle, but whatever. So Stevie corrects Janelle and she's like, it was a gift specifically for me because I'm the main character and I am insecure. So then Stevie gets a text from Nicole to report to the pavilion. So whatever. Allison's at the pavilion and she apologizes for getting upset the night before, like after the announcement that they're doing a podcast or whatever. And Allison asked Stevie why she came to the camp, like why she came to the camp, not why Carson wants her there. And she's like, somebody has to solve this. This girl is insufferable, bro. She's 17. Not hating on 17 year olds, but I'm just saying it's okay if you can't save the world and do what the cops have trained 50 years to do when you're 17. It's all I'm saying. So anyways, so Stevie's like, someone has to solve this case. It's going to be me because I'm the main character. And Allison thinks her sister, Sabrina, would have liked Stevie and would have given her a chance if she wasn't dead, I guess. So she invites Stevie to come to her house the next morning for breakfast so they can talk. Also, she wants to like go running with her. That's a whole thing. We'll get into that later. 
So Stevie calls David. Lucky us, he's going to be there in a few days to visit her because he's worried about her. How sweet. And Stevie has a cold case and a locked room mystery and her friends and now David and she's never been happier. Well, that makes one of us, Stevie, because I couldn't be more miserable. Find out David's going to be there. Chapter 12. My first note literally says, well, this was anticlimactic. Boo. So this is like a whole thing. But Stevie has to ride her bike around the lake to get to Allison's house. And Allison's like, the day before, she's like, oh, it'll take you like 15 minutes on bike. It takes Stevie 45 minutes to get there. So she's like super late. And Allison's like, "Mm, not about that life. She is, I don't know. They like describe her as being like kind of OCD, which I take offense to because I'm actually OCD, but I don't like people being late either. So there we go. But anyway, so she gets to Allison's house and Allison, she's got to leave for her run at exactly 730 or whatever. That's why it's a problem that Stevie's late. So anyways, Allison's house is super pristine and she has like a whole room of Sabrina's things and she's still looking for that lost diary. So Allison says that Sabrina must have hidden it because the kids that she watched at the camp that she like bunked with would have like gone through her thing. So she would have like put it somewhere. And, you know, Stevie thinks, oh, maybe in a tree stump, which all I can think of is like in heavyweights when they hide the food in the stump. But then they're like, uh, she wouldn't expose it to weather, though, because it's a diary. Okay, whatever. Big who cares? They're going to find it. We know we that duh, because this is the same as the other book. It's probably going to be irrelevant. So anyways. Basically, the main thing we get out of this chapter is that Sean, Sabrina's ex, was nice and like Allison doesn't think he would have done anything. And she said he was just a lovesick kid and he wanted them to get back together. And he was kind of like a townie and she wanted to move to New York for school. So that's like why they broke up. And Sean was with Paul the night that everyone died. And... Allison also believes that Todd was responsible for the hit and run of Michael. By the way, we get into Sean's and Paul's, their alibis later. So anyways, she thinks Todd's definitely responsible for this hit and run of Michael and also points out that it's not weird that Sabrina was hanging out with her friends that night or whatever. Duh, I told you this. Even though all the news articles make it seem like she was a misfit. Like these were actually her friends. We've talked about this. Okay, also side note during this chapter which i kind of left out so when they're talking about all this stuff they're going for a run which stevie hates running which may be the only thing i've ever agreed with her on ever but allison's like really fit and she takes the same route every morning this becomes relevant down the road and there's like this i don't know what they call it like this lookout point thing that looks over and you can see the whole trail they kind of talked about it when in the 1970s that camp counselor leader person whose name's probably on here susan that lookout point she runs it every day and she can see the whole camp and blah 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 okay whatever i promise it comes back around but stevie's like dying whatever (laughs) chapter 13 my note says this book needs to speed up it does though okay basically she's trying to find the diary she's like i'm gonna find this diary because i've done it once before so she goes to the cabin that sabrina would have been staying in she uses the map and she figures out that whatever cabin nine or whatever is now the eagle's nest i made all that up but that's like basically how she figures it out so she goes there and she starts searching around 
And the camp counselor who's actually staying in that cabinet like catches her and is like, why are you going through my stuff, you freaking weirdo? And Stevie's like, I dropped my key and I must have gotten the cabins mixed up. Like, sorry, whatever. That never comes back around, but whatever. So then Stevie thinks about Diane. She was Todd's girlfriend at the time. She's like the least talked about victim. And I don't know. This might just be like from newspapers or something she read, but she says that she dated Diane dated Todd most of junior and senior year. She wasn't spectacular student, but she wasn't failing. She loved music, especially Led Zeppelin, which they like nail down a billion times, which is probably really not relevant. And everyone said she would have put up a fight because she was feisty, but like obviously we know she didn't. So then Stevie looks at the autopsy reports. And Sabrina, that's Allison's sister, she's the only one with defense wounds, and she's the only one without a head wound. But, like, we kind of know that Todd and Diane were canoodling in the woods when they got attacked, so they probably didn't even have time to defend themselves, obviously. This is not rocket science. Chapter 14. It says, I have no idea what just happened, but Stevie failed at swimming. She really did. She like goes out into the water and then she's like, something touched my leg. I'm coming back in, which is really funny because it's a lake. You're fine. Like fish live there. They don't want you in there anyways. So Nate brings up that he was apparently a competitive swimmer at some point. And she's like, there's still things to learn about my friends. Not relevant. So anyways, they're like kind of making friends with the other counselors. Not that good of friends, though, because I don't have uh, names for any of them. But anyways, they're like talking about how you're not allowed to jump off a point twenty three, or you'll be kicked out. It's like, whatever. But people have done it. Dylan, the roommate, Nate's roommate, bunkmate or whatever, he said he did it last year. Whatever. Big who cares. So Stevie asks about the murders and if anyone like talks about them. And this girl's like, yeah, it was done by a serial killer in the 70s called the Woodsman and he was caught. And she went to the campsite, like the murder site her first year where it happened and you can see things that were there from the murder and stevie's like wrong 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 in her head it's not completely wrong because they did suspect it was the woodsman it's not we know that but there's like the campfire and stuff still there so i don't know why she's like so pretentious about it and she just it's not a fun read because stevie is just like i know mysteries and you don't i don't know i like i said i'm very feisty today so dylan Oh my gosh, I forgot about this part. Okay. So Dylan shoves a whole hot dog roll bun. They say hot dog roll. It's a hot dog bun. Am I crazy? Who calls it a hot dog roll? Am I missing something? It's a hot dog bun. Anyways, he shoves the whole bun in his mouth and someone's filming it. He's just being a stupid boy, whatever. And Stevie's like marches off because she figured it out or whatever. And she gets phone reception and calls someone. And it's like, we have to talk now. Dun, dun, dun. Chapter 15, it's not that big a deal. So Stevie, the phone call was to Carson. So Carson, she like confronts him and she's like, you're the one who wrote the note on our cabin and you're the one who left the box that you found on your morning run, whatever, whatever. And the way she figured it out, if you guys even care, is you can put something soft through a small opening. So like there's a hole in their green of their cabin So you could put fabric through the screen because it's soft and you can put it through a small hole. I really hate talking about this, but it the hot dog bun roll going into the mouth made her think of that. I literally, I I don't want to talk about this anymore. So anyways, what happened was Carson painted the message through, he put like fabric on 
a stick and painted the message through the hole in the screen and then covered the message with fabric that looked like the wood wall. And in the middle of the night, he had like a string or whatever attached to it and pulled the fabric, which made it seem like someone painted the message. Which, by the way, you can't tell the difference between a cabin wall and fabric that looks like wood? (sighs) Some detective you are, Stevie. So anyways... Carson's excited that she's confronting him and she's he's like I picked the right person you figured this out and I wanted to bring attention to the podcast but I won't interfere anymore like he was just trying to like hype up like there's still a killer among us so he said that he was gonna tell Stevie and them I don't know if we believe that but big who cares so Stevie asks if the floors are original or redone and he says they're redone but they've always been like concrete underneath so Sabrina's diary is not hidden there Because she's like thinking maybe it was under the floorboards. And then she's not telling Carson that she's looking for the diary because that's her new mission and blah, blah, blah. I don't know why she's keeping it a secret. But anyways, she's excited because David gets off work a day early and will see us tomorrow. Great. Great. Stevie and Janelle are setting up the art pavilion and they found this order form for like supplies. And Allison... like collects anything that sabrina had so anything sabrina wrote or whatever like even like assignments from school so she gives this order form to allison that sabrina because sabrina's like blah 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 pencils paint whatever and she like signed it for this order form and like a ton of stuff is misspelled and allison's like sabrina was always really bad at spelling it's like really bad though and she just kind of like looks at it and you can tell Allison's thinking something but not saying something. I don't know. It's a mystery, whatever. So she takes Stevie over to talk to Paul because Paul is the brother of Michael who was killed in the hit and run. And Allison tells Paul that Stevie's okay and he can talk to her or whatever. So Paul is now married to a man and that like plays into some of this like he was coming out at the time of all this so it was like really difficult for him i don't know they talk about it a lot i didn't really write about it because it's hard to fit that in but it's just something you should know so anyways so stevie asks about the hit and run accident and he starts explaining it so paul's like it happened seven months before the murders he says that he knows it was todd who hit michael paul says that a girl named dana who i think is the girl that was at the camp also i'll have to like look that up but anyways she saw the jeep turn the corner after the accident like his jeep specifically had certain colors etc etc so todd's dad gave him an alibi and said oh he was home with us all night and todd's dad's the mayor so everyone's like okay and then his car todd's car was gone for a week after that and when it returned there was no damage and Diane says that Todd's dad took away his keys because of bad grades, but like Todd's dad would never do that. But that's like the excuse of why the car was gone for a week. And they never checked the brother's bike for paint chips, like to match the car. Like if the car hit him on his bike, the car's paint would be on it. They like never checked that and the bike's like long gone. I don't know. And the night of the murders, Paul was with Sean at the lake house. So Sean is Sabrina's ex and there were okay so there's like three lifeguards that stayed in this lake house which is important too because that red rope or whatever comes from kayaks or whatever so anyways so todd was one of them he was obviously in the woods greg who is patty's ex-boyfriend who's now dead was on house arrest so he wasn't there he was like in another like with an adult whatever 
because he was caught hooking up with Patty because she was on house arrest too. And then obviously Paul was there with Sean, who's the other lake house person. So the neighbors were at Paul's family's home. So that gives like his parents an alibi. And there's like people that saw him going back to his cabin and stuff, giving him an alibi. I don't know, whatever. So Stevie asked Paul what he thinks really happened. And he said that this seemed personal and like local because it's hard to find a drug spot like at the right time. Like, how would you know that these kids are going out there to collect this weed or whatever and where it's at? Because people knew that Eric was getting it, but they didn't know like where he was stashing it. They just knew it was in the woods. And it's like whoever was providing the drugs would know, but okay. Chapter 17, the biggest of who cares. This is a really big who cares chapter. So the kids show up at the camp and Nicole specifically tells Stevie not to leave because she has a job to do. So then Stevie gets a text from David and she leaves. Stupid. So he's staying at this like campsite nearby. So like the lake's an hourglass. She's on one side. Then there's a little channel and he's on the other side at this like public camping area. Whatever. So they go over there. They take two hours to set up his stupid tent and then they like it hints at them having sex. I roll. Like, who cares? So then they literally only have a physical relationship. We've been over this before. So anyways, Stevie returns to camp in time for roll call at bedtime. Like, she never left. Blah, blah, blah. And I say, purely physical relationships aren't real relationships. My migraine's getting worse. Why does David have to be here? Those are my notes. Chapter 18. Hey, this is the last chapter. It says, I thought this chapter was going to be a bust, but I decided to end it on it. Okay. So first of all, Nate has a camper whose name I didn't write down, who's like obsessed with his book and is like obsessed with him writing a second book. And Nate like can't stand it because Nate's still trying to write this book. Does not matter. We're just filler character development. So anyways, it says not relevant, but just looping back to the idea that the camper kids see everything, blah, 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 evidence. So like we're trying to say that these camper kids in the 70s probably witnessed something. That's how we're going to figure all this out. If it was good writing, that's how it would be. Anyways, so then David kayaks into the camp through that little channel I was talking about. And he has a tight shirt and flip-flops that match. And uh, they canoodle in her room. Big who cares. So they get caught by Nicole, who runs the camp. (laughs) Thank goodness. So she, like, kicks him out. And Nicole's like, why do you have cameras? And Stevie's like, they're for bird watching, which is really weird. I don't know if that's going to come back around. But anyways, then Nicole is like, you're responsible for the kids at the camp and I'm responsible for everyone here. So like, no strangers. And this is your only warning. Okay, this is completely reasonable. And I don't know if it's because I'm an adult, but like, would you want strangers at a camp like that your kid's staying at and people like sneaking people in? There's been murders here. Like, (sighs) okay, I'm team Nicole. Even if she is a murderer, still like her better than Stevie. Okay, Janelle comes in like after Stevie gets reamed by Nicole. And she's like, yeah, I walked in on you and David. You guys didn't hear me. And then I walked out and then I texted you a bunch of times to like try to warn you that Nicole was coming seven times to be exact. And she was like, it's pretty uncool that you didn't even give me warning about this. Like ever heard of sock on the door, basically. Like there is protocol to this. So anyways, I also think this is stupid. But how do you like walk into they talk about how small this cabin is. But then she didn't even hear Janelle walk in. Anyways, who cares? At breakfast the next day, Box Box Carson is like, Stevie, we have to talk now. And she's like, oh, it's probably about the stupid podcast or whatever. And he says, drum roll. Allison Abbott is dead. Dun, dun, dun. 
And I stopped there because we don't know how. I know how. It's kind of disappointing, but we'll get to that next episode, which is coming up right after this. So lingering questions. Who killed Allison? Obviously, because it wasn't an accident. They're going to pretend like it's an accident, but someone killed her. Obviously. Is the hit and run really related or is it just a waste of my time? And also, like, how do we know that Todd was the one driving? Like, Great Gatsby, anyone? I don't know if you get that reference. But, like, my point is, just because they saw Todd's car doesn't mean Todd was the one driving. And his dad's a mayor, so what if his the mayor dad hit someone? Of course he's going to cover all that up. And my last one is, why is David even here? I hate it. So, in closing, thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. I have a TikTok now. They're pretty funny. All at the Jolly Reader Podcast. Follow me if you just want to laugh at me being a dork. And subscribe so you can get notifications when new episodes are posted. Please leave a review. It helps other crewmates find this show. And please share and share uh, social media Yay. I don't know. And if you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for the outtakes and I will talk to you next time, which will be shortly for part three of the box in the woods. So until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader. Bon voyage. Hey, you made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Testing. Um, I don't know. I went to the gas station. I got this donut thing I'm probably going to eat before I record. I don't feel like my mic's loud enough. Kind of sleepy. Let's check it. <laughs> I'm going to add that real quick so I don't get lost here. There's not even a place for this. Okay. Nate's co-counselor? What's his name? Dylan. Okay. Looks good to me. Okay. Moving on. Okay. So this is literally I hate Stevie. She's a nightmare. Okay. So what happened was this is where I started... I was blind and it was very hard to read because it's migraine. Like I literally could not see. I failed an eye test at the hospital and I have 20-20 vision. So I started working on my laptop downstairs and using the voice recording so I could be more comfortable. It was a whole thing. So I was like really just trying to get through this. This is going to be a short episode. Holy moly. I'm sorry. Part three will be coming up real soon though. Man, these are going to have to be back-to-back days. I can't believe how short this is. I'm the worst. Okay, Stevie's the worst, but I'm a close second. Like, I can't believe I made you guys wait an extra week for this baby episode. Okay. I'll make it up to you, I promise. Camp Water Wonderfalls. Excuse me. I cannot talk right now. By the way, we get into Sean's, like, um, and Paul's... What is the word I'm looking for? Their alibis later. Joanne's. I don't have time for a discount right now. Anyways. So he's like, I picked the right person for this. I am Allie. And you were with me to my mom.